Hello and welcome back to Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill episode number 72 where we go back to the past and read a comic book from the yesteryear of publishing. You can find us every Sunday on chrisandreggie.podbean.com and pick us up on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio and if you speak now or forevermore, hold your peace. Ooh, this episode, uh, which is sort of not just one comic book, uh, we, we do highlight one in particular, but it really is a theme, uh, was by request of Jose Velez Martinez, who is at JVM125 on Twitter. And what is this episode about today, Chris? Well, I would I would say that this is the culmination of our entire podcasting <laughs> career to this point. That's uh, true. For today, we will discuss and cover the life and times of Terrence Long, Mm. with special attention paid to Tales of the Teen Titans number 50 from February 1985. It is the wedding issue. Uh, It is called We Are Gathered Here Today, dot, 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 dot. It is written, co-plotted, and co-edited by Marv Wolfman, penciled, co-plotted, and co-edited by George Perez, embellished by Mike DiCarlo and Dick Giordano, Leaded by John Costanza, colored by Adrian Roy, with special thanks to Carol Flynn, more on her later, and came with a cover price of 125 USD, 160 Canadian, and tw- uh, 45p in the UK. That's right, those would be pence, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, 45 pence. So uh, we're gonna. That's a lot of vice presidents. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's what they call them over there. You know, <laughs> got dead presidents here. They got vice presidents over there. So. Uh, we got a lot of Terry Long, some long ground to cover here in this episode. Mm-hmm. Long form. But of course, we are going to start with our usual creator bios, and uh, going to start with Marvin Arthur Wolfman, born May 13th, 1946 in Brooklyn, New York. He attended the High School of Art and Design in Manhattan, where he met Len Wein and other comics aficionados. DC Comics used to give office tours every week, and in the late 1960s, Marv and Len would show up every week. Eventually, they ingratiated themselves enough to find work there, and his Wolfman's first published work for DC Comics appeared in Blackhawk number 242. That was the August-September 1968 cover date, entitled My Brother, My Enemy. Uh, in this, he actually shares co-writing credit with Bob Haney. Uh, which you actually see a lot right there, don't you? Yes. When when there was that turnover, it was uh, I don't I'd, I'd like to know more exactly why that happened, but I have my own ideas. <laughs> uh, Neil Adams was called upon to rewrite and redraw a Teen Titans story titled "Titans Fit the Battle of Jericho," which had been written by Ween and Wolfman. The story was okayed by editor Dick Giordano and then publisher of DC Comics Erwin Donenfeld, but incoming publisher Carmine Infantino killed it after it had been penciled, inked, and lettered. The revised story appeared in Teen Titans number 20, March-April cover date, uh, 1969. Neil Adamson gets writing and art credit on that. Mm -hmm. And in 1970, the Comics Code Authority was tested by Marv Wolfman's name. (laughs) Uh, We've we've discussed Marv a lot, so these are, uh, we're repeating ourselves a bit here, but in House of Secrets number 83, this is January 1970 issue, uh, the intro page, which was written by Jerry Conway, makes reference to a story told to me by a wandering Wolfman, or Wolfman, actually, that that way it would be. Uh, Now, the following story is The Stuff That Dreams Are Made Of by Marv Wolfman, featuring art by Alex Tom. Uh, this would lead to writers being credited in mystery mags, which, uh, if you read them at the time, they really didn't come with credits. A lot of books didn't come with credits. It also opened up the code next year. I gotta say, in mm-hmm. the pantheon of comics, comic book history stories, 
this has got to be in the top 10, right? I mean, as Absolutely. far as, like, the impact and how funny it is, but uh, anyway. Oh, and I oh, never, I never mind retelling that one. I don't get a lot of opportunities, as you might imagine. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, now, in uh, 1972, Roy Thomas would bring Marv and Len over to Marvel. Almost immediately, Roy would step down as Marvel's editor-in-chief so he can concentrate on his writing. A couple of years later, Marv was hired as the EIC for the black and white line of magazines and the four-color comics at Marvel. Uh, Marv would last about a year, and then he quit, but it seems like he might have been encouraged to do so. Uh, He would be replaced by Jerry Conway. Uh, during his time at Marvel, Wolfman wrote lengthy runs on Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, while there, he co-created The Black Cat with Keith Pollard. He also wrote Fantastic Four and Doctor Strange. Uh, though he's probably best known during this period for crafting, along with Gene Colan, the horror title Tomb of Dracula. This ran for 70 issues from April 1972 to August 1979. Although uh, he didn't come in with issue one, he would start with uh, scripting on issue seven. Yeah, but he really made it his own. He created, uh, you know, Blade. Yeah, you, you don't associate anybody else with that book. No, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, in 1980, Wolfman returned to DC after a dispute with new Marvel editor-in-chief Jim Shooter, who offered to renew Wolfman's contract as a writer, but not as an editor. With penciler George Perez... Marv relaunched DC's Teen Titans in a special preview in DC Comics Presents number 26. That was October 1980 cover date. This introduced Wolfman and Perez's co-created characters Cyborg, Starfire, and Raven, and added them to the existing crew of Robin, Kid Flash, Wonder Girl, and Beast Boy, who was now called Changeling, although not for long either. You know, <laughs> It would bounce back. <laughs> kind of go back and forth. Uh, sometimes Roy Harper would hang out too. They had a formal debut with the new Teen Titans number one, November 1980 cover date, edited by guess who? Len Wheaton. That old, um, it seems like Marvin Len, they came as pair. That's how it is mm-hmm. in their whole career. Uh, new Teen Titans was a smash hit immediately, outselling everything else at DC and finally coming into range of Marvel's dominant market share. Mm-hmm. Now, across the table, we've got George Perez, born June 9, 1954, in South Bronx, New York. In uh, 1973, George broke into the industry as an assistant to Rich Buckler, who was uh, drawing Fantastic Four at the time. Uh, George Perez's first credit was in Marvel's Astonishing Tales, issue number 25. This is August 1974 cover date, and he was the penciler of an untitled two-page satire of Buckler's character, Deathlock. He began a long and celebrated run on the Avengers on with issue number 141, November 1975, running all the way through to, to, to number 200, December 19. 19- 80. Uh, Perez illustrated several other Marvel titles, including Creatures on the Loose, featuring Man-Wolf, The Inhumans, and Fantastic Four. Uh, George would pair with Marv Wolfman for the first time ever on Fantastic Four Annual number 13. This is December 1979 cover date. They must have liked it, because in 1980, Hmm. while he was still drawing the Avengers for Marvel, Perez began working for their rival, DC Comics. Started drawing the new Teen Titans with their first appearance, like we mentioned, DC Comics Presents 26. He actually took the job drawing the new Teen Titans because of, of a promise to draw the Justice League of America, which he felt was a natural progression from drawing the Avengers, which he did draw the uh, JLA beginning with 184, November 1980 cover date. In Action Comics number 544, June 83, he designed Lex Luthor's trademark battle suit, the green and purple armored... Battle suit, there's no other way to put it. Uh, this, this was, <laughs> yes. It was used for the Superpowers toy line by Kenner, and it's still in use to this very day. He essentially runs around the town uh, right now in the comics in a similar suit. It's not green and purple anymore, unfortunately. 
No, you know, it'll be back though. With the range of with the range of colors we have in comics, they don't have to settle on green and purple for villains anymore. <laughs> no. Now, uh, before we get into the uh, to the timeline here, let's uh, discuss a little bit of what Terry Long is. Mm. <laughs> he's a he's a history professor at a certain New York college. Uh, <laughs> he was originally it was originally like a New York University, then it was like yeah. Manhattan University. Schools that didn't exist. Uh, that that uh, then it was just changed to quote a certain a certain New York, New college. York college. Yeah, but they weren't sure. <laughs> He's introduced to us as a divorced father who has a daughter named Jenny. He would meet, date, and later marry his student Donna Troy. Now, to start with, that's all we need to know because we are about to play a very long round of This Is Your Life, Terry Long. That's right. We're going to meet him the way, you know, people reading the comic met him, you know, piece by piece. Beginning with New Teen Titans, number 8, June 1981, cover date. Day, titled A Day in the Lives by Wolfman and Perez. And this is the first ever appearance, the first cover appearance of Terry Long at the same time. Uh, after a day of shooting a topless jeans ed... Tana Troy takes Starfire out to lunch where she introduces her to her date, Mr. Terry Long. Uh, Donna was photographing, not modeling. No. Right? That's <laughs> yes. very important, to, I think, to make that clear. Uh, his first line uttered is, Donna, I'm over here. The appearance of a Charlie McCarthy-esque puppet in the issue saves Terry from being the creepiest thing to appear in it. Worth mm-hmm. mentioning, Terry knows about Donna's dual identity. Mm. Yes. So she's not keeping secrets from him. So when he meets Starfire, he's not surprised to see a eight foot tall golden goddess. Right. So now uh, his next appearance is the very next issue. This is New Teen Titans number nine from July 1981, like puppets on a string by Marvin George. Terry's second appearance, in which he admits to Starfire while he creepily watches her try on clothes, that he's in love with Donna. Yeah. Starfire says, "I was wondering, do you like Donna?" Like, I love her. And Donna would later admit to Starfire that she loves Terry as well. Like, sort of. Yeah, she goes, well, what do you think, Corey? Isn't he a dream? He seems like a nice man. Do you love him? He's kind and understanding. And Corey, he can really make me laugh. Uh, that's really not answering the uh, question wonder chick here, you know. I can't think of anyone I'd rather spend the rest of my life with. All right, that's better, that's, but still not really answering the question. Yeah, it's kind of like she's replying with, I love spending time with you. Exactly, you know, which actually <laughs> is nicer than what I would get, which is, I love the New York Yankees. That was the kind of thing. <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, New York, yeah, sorry, <laughs> New Teen Titans, number 12, <laughs> October 1981, cover day. Clash of the Titans by Marvin George. After a battle featuring the Titans of legend and some tough decisions, Donna returns home to be comforted by Terry. Terry says, Donna, what? Don't, Terry. Please don't talk now. And please don't ask me what happened. Just hold me. And don't let me go. Not for a very long time. Believe me, Donna, I won't. I love you. I truly love you. And we're still waiting on that reply there, Wonder Chief. Yeah, how do you feel? (laughs) We hop over to New Teen Titans, issue number 20. This is June 1982 cover date. The story's called Dear Mom and Dad, and it's written by Marv, drawn by George, probably plotted by both. We're at Cyborg's 19th birthday party, and Donna has the blues. 
Yeah, you know, she doesn't know her own birthday or name or history has really gotten in getting her down that she's sort of a cipher. It's very likely there here that the wheels for who is Donna Troy are starting to get into motion, but that comes uh, a little bit later. Uh, it's also here that we learn Terry's current age. Mm. Yeah, Donna says to Cyborg, so you're 19 today. Join the crowd. Terry says, 19 youngsters, children. Terry, you're just jealous because you're almost middle-aged. Hey, 29 is not middle-aged, is it? But it's still kind of, still, still a little too old for a 19-year-old. Probably, yeah. I mean, you got to hmm. think about when you were in fifth grade, she was <laughs> coming she was out of the womb, born, you know, like, that's <laughs> uh, something to chew on. Anyway, uh, New Tea Titans, number 28, February 1983 cover. <laughs> Titled Sarah in the Night. And guess what? Marvin George again. Mm-hmm. A, uh, dynamic duo on this book. Uh, Donna gets all dolled up for a night on the town with a certain Mr. Long. Upon her arrival at Terry's divorcee pad, she and we meet his ex-wife, Marcia, who's there to get some papers signed and pretty much be a snarky hag. She looks at Donna and goes, So, this is Donna. Terry, you didn't tell me she was so... Young. Yeah. A little <laughs> chilly in here all of a sudden. Uh-huh. Uh, speaking of young, we also meet Terry's daughter, Jenny, who runs in the room saying, Daddy, Daddy, you gotta see what I did. It's just great. You'll love it. Now, what she did was draw a picture of her father that sort of looks like a woolly willy. <laughs> Which is about right, really. Uh, <laughs> it's you, Daddy, and I... Then she turns to Donna and says, Who's that, Daddy? She's Donna. She's my, uh... She's Daddy's friend, Jennifer. And then Donna leaves before this can become awkward. Too late. Yep, yeah, he's left about 10 <laughs> minutes earlier. Now, uh, New Teen Titans, issue number 30, April 1983, cover date. Nightmare by Marvin George. Now, as if the title didn't give it away, this is the issue in which Terry proposes to Donna. Yeah, in the Rainbow Room at Rockefeller Plaza at midnight on New Year's Eve. Yes, Donna goes, Terry, I don't want this dance to end. Uh, We should mention that they're dancing. (laughs) Right. I I want it to go on forever. Donna, I truly hope you mean that, because I want us to go on forever. Honey, I can't think of a better time to ask. Terry, what? Donna, I love you. I want to take care of you. I want to be with you always. Donna Troy, will you marry me? And then New Teen Titans number 31, May 1983 cover. The very next issue, what do we expect? An Inferno by Marvin George. Donna confers with the Titan. She hasn't decided whether or not to marry Terry. Wow. Hey. <laughs> wow. Donna, whew, you are a uh, cold woman. Uh, so yeah, we could probably assume she loved them at least, right? Uh, yeah, nah, she really had never, you know, had never really fully committed to that. Uh, so we could probably assume he's still standing there at the rainbow room with the engagement ring held aloft, waiting for a response. Right? What'd she say? Like, I'll be right back. Gotta go Just talk. see him with his mouth like agape a little yeah, bit, like, like uh. oh, I'm getting played by this this girl. You know, she was bored when I was in the fifth grade for crying out loud. I really wish they showed the rest of that scene, though, just to see how it was handled. Something, just like awkward. Was Donna like, I don't know, maybe? Yeah. Did he have to drive her home? I mean, how was that? (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's a a very chilly ride. Very, very, not a good scene in there. (laughs) He let her, he let her control the radio. 
Yes. <laughs> now, now, she might not have said yes to Terry, but she finally admits that she loves him. She doesn't say it to him, though. She tells no. it to the Titans. She goes, we love each other. We care for each other. And, you know, if maybe if Terry knew that, he'd feel a little bit better. But uh, <laughs> yeah. he doesn't. Uh, we're going to jump ahead to New Teen Titans, issue number 38. This is January 1984. This is the famous Who is Donna Troy by uh, Marvin George. This issue in which Terry enlists the aid of Richard Grayson, boy detective, to see if he can track down the truth about Donna's past. He does. And boy, is it great to have that all behind us. <laughs> yeah. Donna's past would never creep up to confuse anybody. Nope. Ever again. Never cause any more continuity issues. <laughs> now, we discussed this issue in Terry long form during our Teen Titans Medley Spectacular in Cosmic Treadmill episode 25, available in the archives. Tales of the Teen Titans number 42, May 1984 cover. This is the Judas Contract book one, The Eyes of Tara Markov by M&G. Wedding plans are underway already. Well, I guess you know, now's about the time. And Donna is choosing bridesmaids, including Turncoat Terra, or would be we come to know her as Turncoat Terra. You'll be able to find out our thoughts on the Judas contract in that same T Titans medley episode again. It's episode 25 in the archives. Now, uh, we, we poured through the Titans collection here, and uh, we never saw Donna actually agree yeah. to marry Terry. That was so the... this is just, it just happened. That's <laughs> hilarious. Like, what did she, did she just, like, look at look at Terry and put her finger on the side of her nose? Like, <laughs> we're good, buddy. You know, we're good. Don't worry. Pal, just... <laughs> I, I'd, I'd love to do the thing with you, bud. You know, that that's what she said to him. Now we're going to go to Tales of the Teen Titans, number 45. This is August 1984. Hive, H-I-V-E, by Marvin George. This is Terry Long's bachelor party, complete with a stripper named Candy Spice jumping out of a cake. <laughs> now, it's here that we meet Terry's brother and best man, Barry Long. Terry is going to share with us his philosophy on strippers. Why not? Looking doesn't hurt, as long as you remember who you really love. I don't know if that would hold a lot of water. Just, that's such a creepy thing to say, like, really. <laughs> looking does I look all that no one can stop me from looking. You should see my students. Exactly. That's like, you know what I mean? Like, dude. Anyway, Tales of the Teen Titans, number 48, November 1984 cover. Recombatants by Marv and Steve Root. In an epilogue, uh, Terry is thrown a wedding party by his co-workers at a certain New York college. Among the gifts is a transparent bikini. For him. Oh. A pair of students are present, and they try to tempt him to remain a bachelor. Ew, ew. Terry receives a letter from his ex-wife, and he's talked to him before he marries Donna. Says, it's specifically about the wedding, and their kids. We thought he only had one kid. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Don, it, 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 was a, it was a misprint. He I know, one kid. Never, never quite happened. Uh, but anyway, Donna picks him up to go for their pre-wedding blood test. How romantic. And he worries about what his ex might want. Now, Chris, when, when you got married, did you have to take a blood test? No, you know, that's the thing. I, I've been doing, I've been doing like, wedding issues of comics for the blog this week, and they all have these blood tests. And in the show I, also. Like, every show yeah. at the time, it's always like, you gotta take a blood test. I didn't have to do that either. I was... No. Uh, I was, I didn't never really knew why the blood test was there. I guess to maybe see if you had the basic, you know, MMR or whatever. 
But, to see uh, if you're related, I don't know. I, that was the other thing too. You <laughs> might be first cousins. Anyway, I'm just curious about that because I yeah, no, nah, it's weird. But either they phased it out a while ago, or it was never really a true thing. But anyway, <laughs> TV writers were never married. No. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna go one more issue ahead to Tales of the Teen Titans number 49, December 1984 cover date. The light that failed, and it's a Marvin George joint. It's time to rent tuxes, and so Terry and his groomsmen, including Dick Grayson, do just that. We learn that the note from Marsha was just about making sure someone kept an eye on Jenny during the wedding, so much ado about nothing. <laughs> I mean, really? uh, <laughs> right? You could just put that in the note, right? That's it. Yeah, it's like, make sure someone watches your yeah. daughter. Oh, uh, you got to call now, me. Very important things about our daughter. Yeah, make sure someone's paying attention to her. That's about it. Anyway. Now, uh, the issue wraps up with Donna and Terry going over their checklist one more time before the big day. They also appear to do it in the park while some nearby children fly a kite. Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, there's that. But Creek anyway. Factor 11. We yes. are going to, yeah, you know, a lot of ick going on there, but we got to put all that aside now, Chris, because we are invited and we're bringing everyone with us to the wedding of mm-hmm. donna troy and terry long not in that order in tales the teen titans number 50 february 1985 cover date titled again we are gathered here today dot 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 dot, dot. i don't know why so many dots <laughs> very many dots uh by marvin george uh, this issue opens at the temple of athena on paradise island where hippolyta is praying and has been for several days Perhaps for Terry to accidentally wander into traffic before he can wed Donna. I know that's the way my mother-in-law was praying before (laughs) I got married. Uh, Meanwhile, at the East Hampton estate of Steve Dayton. The world's fifth richest man. uh, He's not shy about it. He's he's fine with (laughs) that. Preparations are underway for the blessed event. Uh, Gar is actively directing traffic and is doing an uncharacteristically good job at it. Yeah, some fellow walks in, some vendor, he goes, Hey, buddy, where did these go? Gar says, Um, let's see, that's not food, is it? No, it's for the musicians. That's the band, right? Um, oh yeah, I'm over there with the rest of their stuff. Please, God, let me survive this night. I'd have a nervous breakdown, but I haven't scheduled the time. Okay, well, we said uncharacteristically good for him. Not, yeah. not perfect. For him, that's for him. pretty good that he even has that much he can remember at one time. <laughs> Now Dayton's manservant Questor looks on, and he's unsure whether or not young Gar is up for the task set before him. These fears are only compounded by the arrival of Bonzo the Clown. Hmm, Questor decides to intervene on this. He goes, hmm, Mr. Bonzo? Nah, just Bonzo, or Bonzo the Clown, no mister. Hmm, yes, Bonzo, I'm certain your services were engaged. But I do believe... Bonzo, I was wondering when you'd show. When you hire Bonzo the Clown, you hire punctuality. Mr. Logan, a clown at a wedding? Don't you believe... Crestor, you don't understand. There's about 15 young kids coming. Bonzo's going to entertain them in the West Wing so the adults could enjoy themselves. Yeah, what's that they say about assuming, Questor? Mm-hmm. And, and, and now we know who's going to be watching Jenny. Exactly, Bonzo the Clown. <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's punctual, so that's one uh, thing about him. <laughs> so with renewed confidence in the Beast Boy, uh, Questor takes over and starts reaming out a group of vendors for not taking Young Gar's command seriously. Before we begin, let me assure you that Mr. Logan is your employer. 
no matter his young age, you will not address him in a rude or nasty manner again. Do you understand? Hey, easy, man. I didn't mean nothing. Seems like Questor has problems in the old calibration department to kind of switch. Yeah, it's either all or nothing. Or hot, hot or cold is his two temperatures. Uh, we shift scenes now over to the home of Adeline and Joseph Wilson. Joey has been up all night working on, this is uh, Jericho, of course, uh, working up all night on his wedding gift for Donna and Terry, and it's a painted portrait. When she sees it, Adeline implores him to allow her to set up a gallery show for his work, but he's not ready for that sort of thing just yet. Meanwhile, in the Azar dimension, <laughs> Raven broods on a craggy cliff. This is all she does in every issue. You know, and it sucks every time. Yeah. Also, you know, if there's ever a big action scene, she teleports people to the site. She That's goes. It. She goes to take care of the first person hurt, and she's out of the fight. That's it. She's done. Yeah. She she empathically takes their pain, and then she collapses. And she's done. You know, and it's nice. <laughs> like, so, all right. That's you did that. I mean, <laughs> teleporting is a nice trick. But anyway, I feel. It like, is. I feel like with the technology they have, they could replace that. But now we next check in on Vic, who's heading to the estate with his date, Sarah, from the special school. He's worried that his cyborgian presence will make Terry and Donna's guests uncomfortable, and Sarah attempts to convince him otherwise. Yes, he goes, I'll stand out like boy George at a marine boot camp, and most people stare at me like I'm the groom Frankenstein's bride rejected. Sarah says, You're crazy. You're a beautiful person. Yeah, I'll bet he's such a good friend, too. Yeah, he's been zoned, buddy. <laughs> now, back at Dayton's, Gar has showered and changed into his ridiculous tuxedo. <laughs> he, he looks like he should be playing piano at an airport lounge circa 1975. I could smell those stale cigarettes from here. You know what it actually reminds Oof. me of? The, uh, <laughs> you remember the episode of Fresh Prince where he goes to the prep school? And no. he has to wear the blazer <laughs> and he flips it inside out? It's like that. It's like the, oh, the liner is what you see. <laughs> Anyway, Gar comes out and says, Hiya, Questor, I'm ready. What'd you think? Am I classy or what? I was not aware they made neon tuxedos. What happened to the black one I had Paul lay out? Come on, Questor. That had no pizzazz. Mm -hmm. After Gar runs off to yell at a flower vendor, Questor continues along to check on Mr. Dayton, who is suffering withdrawals from his mento helmet. Yes, Questor knocks, and, Mr. Dayton, may I enter, please? No, not now. I'm sorry, sir, but you should get ready. I told you not to enter. Damn it, Questor, doesn't anyone ever listen anymore? Mr. Dayton, I thought you promised. Don't blow a fuse, man. I didn't touch it. <laughs> the it in question is, of course, the mento helmet. His promise? More on that in a little bit. Yeah, well, there's a little wrinkle there. Uh, next up, the bridesmaid's room, where several familiar faces are being dolled up for the ceremony. Starfire is being fitted by a woman named Phoenicia, who is actually the Carol Flynn who is thanked in the credits she designed all the dresses. She'd also show up for Corey's own attempted wedding to Dick Grayson in New Titans number 100, which we'll have more on that much later in the show. Mm -hmm. We got a pretty neat name drop for, during this scene from Lilith. She goes, I'm so excited! Almost all my old friends are coming. All but Nark. I wish he was here. Uh, I think she's, she's probably the only one, right? No one misses so, him yeah. too much. Uh, no, the no. caveman son of a... Anyway. <laughs> no, he, the teenage caveman. I know, it's such a crazy idea. But... <laughs> now we shift over to the bridal suite, where Donna is putting her face on. 
she's pretty nervous, which, I mean, if you are if you were told you were going to have to spend the rest of your life with Terry Long, <laughs> wouldn't you be? Oh, <laughs> no. Terry. Poor Terry. Now, her big sis, Wonder Woman, talks her through it. She says, you love him? I feel a pain inside me when we're apart. Yeah, but still uh, dodging that question. Love. The word love has right? to come out of your mouth. <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's like, it should be, I do or don't love him. That should be your, your two answers, anyway. That's it. Yeah, do you love him, yes or no? Yeah, yes or no, that's it. <laughs> now, Dick Grayson arrives to check in on the ladies. Starfire informs him that Donna is waiting to speak with him. Yeah, and Dick says to her, You look wonderful. If you weren't already spoken for, I'd have taken you off as my own. I'm so glad you're giving me away, Dick. I wouldn't dream of anyone else. Donna. We've gone through so much together, and not in all that many years. Yet, I feel as if I've known and loved you all my life. Terry is a remarkably lucky man to have found you. I'm the lucky one. I've known so much love, and now all my loved ones, except Nark, are here to share my happiest day. Dick, I love you. Come on, let's get you married. Now we shift to the courtyard where the ceremony is to, to take place, and it isn't long before Gar sends a cue for the music to begin. Yeah, Terry Long's dad says, Son, we couldn't be happier. His mother goes, Don is such a lovely girl. Terry says, Yeah, I know. Believe me, I know. And his brother Barry says, Mom, Dad, better get to your seats with Sis and the family. Brother Terry's going to hang himself again. Now cut that out, Barry. And then Gar whispers into his wrist. In his, uh, into, yeah, his get smart watch. Basically, yeah, Dick Tracy thing. And he says, yeah, okay, I think this is it. Start the music. Now the wedding procession begins with the flower girl and continues through to Dick escorting Donna down the aisle. We can see some semi-familiar faces in the crowd, including the creators, Clark Kent, members of a Titans fan club. More on that in a bit. And even old Elmira from wow. the farm, if you remember her, yeah. from the Donna Troy episode. Uh, now, uh, the ceremony goes off without a hitch, which, for a comic book wedding, is a rarity. Yeah. Uh, and during the, uh, during the ceremony, we're not going to go through and read the ceremony line by line, but we do get full names. Wonder Girl is Donna Hinckley Stacy Troy, and Terry is Terrence Arthur Long. Hinckley, huh? Hinkley Stacy Troy. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> yeah, the ceremony, the two of them exchange vows, and it's really pithy. I'll tell you. It, uh, yeah. if, if there was any unique, like dialogue, unique to their experience, maybe we could have justified it. You know, like you're from you're from another, you know, island, and I'm from the where curly hair men are king. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, they don't even. It really is something like out of a Hallmark card as far as what they say. But I'll tell you, even reading this the whole time, this whole time. You're expecting at any moment Deathstroke to come swinging in. Sure. One of a million things, you know, Trigon to smash the thing. You know, like you're waiting for something to happen, and it turns out to just be a lovely wedding. It's just kind of happening before you. Uh, Following the ceremony, Gar runs off to ensure the reception party can start smoothly. He calls to Questor to have him start the music, but the Q-Man is alerted by some splashing in Dayton's palatial indoor pool. It's Aqualad and Tula. And they're naked. Oh, totally a necessary scene for this issue. Just, just right. to make just mm-hmm. to make sure we knew that they were there, even though they didn't see the ceremony. Obviously, they were busy uh, 
Nude being naked in a pool. Over at the reception proper, Gar introduces the wedding band, the Waldos, mm. who might be a real band. There is an 80s punk band with that name, but I, I, I don't think this is it, though, Chris. I gotta <laughs> say, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> no. Gar introduces Terry and Donna, and they have their first dance as a married couple. It's Annie's song by John Denver. As performed by the Waldos? Well, they probably sing better than Gilligan, right? That's the wrong, that's Bob Denver, wrong Denver. But different, oh, oh, different fella. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's not long before the dance floor fills up. Uh, among the couples we see, you know, Mal and Karen. Uh, also Clark Kent with Lana Lang, because this is pre-crisis. That's right, he could do that, and Clark Kent refuses to dance. Yes. Now, we also get an appearance from Sting. Like, from the police Sting? Yeah, 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 him. Uh, I, I, I saw him, I could have sworn that was John Constantine. Hmm. Sting actually says to Victor, he says, Um, excuse me, please. My name's Sting, and I was wondering, you ever play football? So big, no offense, of course. Now, at this point, Vic's feeling pretty good about himself. Nobody appears to notice that he's mostly machine, uh, <laughs> which is a good thing, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Lilith uh, heads over to reconnect with the Duncans, Mal and Karen, and is suddenly overwhelmed by a strange sensation. Elsewhere, Questor has a similarly eerie feeling, and he believes it to be emanating from one of the guest bed bedrooms. And we got to wonder, is it uh, more naked titans? Mm, yeah, no such luck this time. Not this time. Uh, we shift over to join Dick, who is brooding on a balcony. He is soon joined by Bruce Wayne. Wow. I didn't think Batman did weddings. Pre-crisis. Oh, that's right. The nice Batman. <laughs> but he was a nice person sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bruce notices that Dick isn't being his usual jovial self and asks what's going on. This is during a time where Bruce is actively attempting to legally adopt his latest ward, Jason Todd. Dick feels a bit strange because Bruce never tried to adopt him. He says, although wasn't he Bruce Wayne's ward? Anyway, I don't know what I don't really know what that mm. means legally and so But not his son. Yeah, I guess. He he didn't get the uh, couldn't put him in the will or whatever. I don't know. Uh <laughs> Dick says understand I don't begrudge your wanting to adopt Jay, but something keeps nagging at me. Why didn't you ever try to adopt me? I've been thinking about that, and all I can say is that I was probably too young and too obsessed in the beginning of my career as the Batman. I guess I never gave him much thought back then. And then, before I knew it, the boy wonder became a man, and I realized how much time had slipped by. But believe me, I couldn't have loved my any son more. I know I haven't said it much, but I'm proud of you. Thanks, Bruce. Really. Then I propose a toast to Nightwing and the Titans. And to Batman and the Outsiders. Back over to Vic, he's feeling a bit uneasy that nobody's recoiling in terror at the sight of him, which, what he's used to. He grows mm -hmm. suspicious and decides to chat up Beast Boy. It's here that we learn that Gar asked Mento to use his Mento helmet, his adoptive father, Mento, <laughs> uh, to shield the wedding guest from the way Vic really looks. Well, I was damn thoughtful of him, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Vic goes, okay, I understand polite, but nobody said word one about the way I look. What did you do? Hey, I told you I took care of everything. You know my step-pop's Mentos from the old Doom Patrol. He's got this helmet that amplifies his mental powers. Anyway, I've got him sending out mental impressions to everyone who looks at you, so they don't see Cyborg at all. 
Just the one and only Vic Stone. Great, huh? It's been a cover-up all along. And here I was thinking I could walk with regular people again. I kept thinking you worked up some explanation as to why a Titan would be here. But it's all been one big fat damn lie. Damn it, Logan. I feel like I feel more like a monster than I ever did before. Uh, I, I guess it wasn't uh, that thoughtful. It wasn't hey, that gesture. Well, I guess. Although, really, the worst thing Gar's doing here is to ask an addict to use again. You know, uh, Dick's mm. not going to kick the helmet habit like this. <laughs> His promised no. quest story wasn't going to do it, and here he is. There we go. Uh, now it's time for some Titanic cameos. Very good, very good. Mm-hmm. First walking <laughs> dove, but nobody really cares. Then we get Duella Dent, who without her Harlequin makeup is clearly too old to be Two-Face's daughter. Yeah, she looks like she's about 40 at least. Uh, at least. She's, Dick says, you're too old to be Two-Face's daughter. And she goes, it took you this long to figure that out? <laughs> Batman would not be happy. So what's the truth? Maybe, Dickie. Just maybe I'll tell you. One of these days, that is. Ta-ta! And she never really does. Uh, oh. Back at the palatial indoor pool, several former Titans are huddled together, discussing potentially putting the band back together and reforming Titans West. Team would have been a who's who of who's cares. Aqualad, <laughs> Aqualass, Golden Eagle, and the Golden Age Batgirl. Ooh, baby. <laughs> like, wow! <laughs> Can we let these people retire? Is there is such a thing as superhero retirement? Uh, <laughs> after thinking on it for a hot minute, they realize that some things are best left in the past. Yeah, yeah, that would that would sell like a. I don't think that would sell that at all. That hot. Uh, now we next head back to the balcony where Gar is having himself a bit of a sulk. He is approached by an apologetic Vic, who greets him with, "Gar, look, Vic, I'm sorry about everything, but I don't want to fight. Just please leave me alone right now. I'm miserable enough without you berating me." Hey, no fight, unless you want to beat me up. I'm sorry for what I said. Yeah, it hurt. But you only trying to make Donna's wedding run smooth. And man, you have. I got problems, but it wasn't fair to take them out on you. You're my best friend. And I don't want to change. I don't want that to change because I'm a motor mouth. Friends, God, please. The two Titans shake and make up while their dates look on. We shift mm-hmm. inside for a bit to see Dick, Mal, and Jericho rocking out with the Waldos. It's a scene you just kind of have to see. Really. Yeah, it's very strange. Very weird, yeah. Now, uh, while uh, while the trio of Titan boys are dancing on the stage here, Wonder Woman approaches the newly married Longs and guides them to that guest bedroom with all the hinky vibes coming out of it. They enter and find Hippolyta, who has come to bless their union. And uh, Terry is a uh, he's quite uh, in awe oh, of Hippolyta's uh, yeah. arrival here. Uh, now the day draws on, and we get you know the normal wedding things: the ceremonial cutting of the cake, uh, the tossing of the bouquet and garter. We get to see Jericho slide a garter on uh, some lady. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and at the end of the day, Gar is awarded with a medal for being a master caterer. I didn't really realize they gave out awards for things like that, but nah, I've been missing out. Okay. Uh, we also got to look at the wedding guest book, where several notable names appear including, somewhat famously, the misspelled name of Rob Liefeld. It appears as L-I-F-F-I-E-L-D. Which might just be pronounced Leefield, man. It could be. It could be the, <laughs> the way it's truly meant to be. Uh, <laughs> Rob was a member of the Titans Fan Writers Association, T-Talk, and was invited to attend the wedding. 
but didn't send mail, didn't mail George Perez a photo in time. Uh, his name got in there, though. Rob recalls, see, I've always been late, deadline challenged, even as a kid. Mm-hmm. And this issue wraps up with Terry and Donna boarding a Steve Dayton-owned private jet to take off to their honeymoon. And we end with their joining the Mile High Club. Yeah, that is not more, not what I wanted to end on necessarily, but uh, <laughs> we, we talked about it before the show. It really is, says a lot for this comic that uh, they can take a whole issue, just do a wedding. And yeah. it's yeah. compelling as heck. If you've read the comic all along, there's a lot going on here. It's uh, a huge payoff. Yeah, for people's little, like, you know, their little spats with each other and whatever feelings and things that have been building up for a while. A lot of stuff gets paid off here, but not one firebolt, you know, not one. Nope. Uh, not, not even a, not even like a cameo from a villain, not a, you know, we had like that weird feeling coming out of the guest bedroom, which could have been Trigon. It could have been right. anybody, but I, it, it wasn't. I put that to Mento maybe, but, uh, sure. Sure. But could have been Mento. I, I think the only person we'd really even see in costume would be Raven. In Eric, yeah. you know, in her whatever her Ugh. evil yeah. craggy Azar. cliff. Yeah. So it's yeah, sorry, Azar. So it's uh, <laughs> it's just it's interesting, and like I, I definitely wouldn't tell someone like this is the first issue to read. If you jump into oh, the no. Titans, you would no. be very lost and bored. But if you've come to this point, I think you'd you'd be very pleased with what you read. But absolutely, that is not our our last dalliance with Mister Terry Long. No, no, we're going to continue into the married life of Terry Long uh, with New Teen Titans, Volume 2, Number 6. This is the Baxter series, uh, March 1985, cover date. Titans Mania by Marv and Dan Jurgens. After a big old battle with Trigon, Terry suggests that the Titans go to camp. Go, they go camp out to clear their heads. <laughs> now, while there, he has a revelation. Yeah, he says, you people mind if I say something? What do you mean, you people? <laughs> no, Dick actually replies, Sure, Terry. It was your idea in the first place. Which I assume is the reason I'm here. By the way, I have to thank you for that. You've allowed me into your group, and I find it all fascinating, to say the least. Okay, I'm older than you, which in itself does not make me wiser, but it's a fact nonetheless. My husband, the fossil. No wise cracks, Troy. Mm-hmm. In New Teen Titans, Volume 2, Number 9, July 1985 cover, this is Love Story, written by Marv and drawn by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Donna fills Terry in on some happenings on Mount Olympus. Then they bang in the shower. Mm-hmm. Terry, stepping into the shower where Donna's bathing, and at this point he's fully clothed, don't worry. He says, <laughs> you know something? Suddenly I feel awfully dirty. Move over. I'm taking a shower. Ha! I bet Zeus has got nothing over me. Has he? Well, first, I don't know if Don has ever done it with Zeus. It's um, kind of gross, and, really. <laughs> especially with the, the New 52 revelation. <laughs> uh, and uh, second, Terry really shouldn't ask questions that he doesn't want the answer to. You don't want to hear the answer to that, yeah, really. No, no, no. Now, uh, New Teen Titans, Volume 2, Number 13, October 1985 issue. Crisis by Marv and Eduardo Barreto. Terry Long does Crisis. Whoa. Well, like, Crisis tie-in, anyway. Close enough. Yeah, yeah, he's he's in there. (laughs) Uh, Now, Terry and Donna's date is interrupted by a troubled Dick Grayson. Troubled because he's dating Starfire, who has a tendency toward violence from time to time. And he sits at the learning tree, and Terry gives him some sage words of advice. He says, 
They say you can't tame a jungle animal. Terry Long, the face of tolerance. And if she gets out of place, just a little, a little <laughs> slap it'll do it. Anyway, uh, New Teen Titans, Volume Two, Number Eighteen, March nineteen eighty six, cover date. Homecoming, Part Two. This is by Marvin Eduardo. We now enter into Act Two of Terry Long and ask the question: Does curly hair cause writer's block? Terry's expected to publish a paper in order to keep his tenure at a certain New York college. But the thing is, he can't write. Nope. Now, it's something he's also sort of blaming on Donna, not having the time to tell him all about her recent exploits with the Greek gods. He says to Jericho, I'm a history professor, and Donna's been promising to help me with my paper on Greek and Roman mythology. I don't know if it's some lousy writer's block or what, but I just can't write. Trouble is, I have to publish. It's the only way I keep my tenure, and my deadline's close. Real close. Mm, how close we're about to find out. <laughs> New Teen Titans, Volume 2, Number 21. This is June 1986 cover date. On Top of the World by Marvin Eduardo. Terry still hasn't published and is summarily fired from a certain New York college. In the scene, the dean goes, Terry, you are aware that we've extended the deadline for you to publish a paper for more than a year now. A I year? know. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty bad. Uh, I know, and believe me, I'm grateful. I've had this writer's block, but I think... Terry, I'm sorry, but we can't let this thing go on. There are other candidates out there for your job. I can't stall a decision any longer. I'm truly sorry. It's the state's law. I've got to let you go. Yeah, I know. And so Terry walks off campus while students tell him how great he is and a few co-eds throw themselves at him. <laughs> Come on already, Mar Marv, we love you, but no matter how many times we see it, this is never going to look legit. Listen, he's, uh, he's a, a very sexy, I like a certain segment <laughs> of the population back then that we talked about this. They found Elliot Gould very uh, sexy, and this is, this is true. So there you go. <laughs> Maybe it's Gould University. It's... <laughs> they couldn't name it. <laughs> now, as with most things, Terry handles this termination, termination uh, maturely. Oh, yeah. He thinks to himself, <laughs> it's Donna's fault. She swore she'd help me write those papers. I needed her, and she abandoned me. It's her fault. And then he takes off. Sure. Yeah, don't worry, though. He'll be back by the end of the issue. Uh, at the end of the issue, we learn that he ran off to Cape Cod to clear his head. While there, he realized that Donna wasn't to blame for anything. And we end with happy couple embracing. That's a Cape Cod. That's what it's for, folks, to ruminate, it is. ruminate on your own, uh, you know, hysteria. New Teen Titans. <laughs> Some nice potato chips. <laughs> uh, New Teen Titans, Volume 2, Number 32, June 87, cover date. Trivial Pursuits is the title by Paul Levinson and Eduardo Barreto. Terry and the Titans head to the Mountain Inn for a vacation. It's a murder mystery weekend, and just like any time we see one of those on a sitcom, a real murder actually occurs. Mm -hmm. Terry basically tolerates the teens the whole time, but would much rather be reading his book or probably banging his wife, I would assume. So, you know, one of those. Probably. Yeah. Now we're going to jump over to Teen Titans Spotlight, number 12. This is the Titans Spotlight on Wonder Girl from July 1987. Story's called Remote Fastness, and it's by Doug Mensch and Ernie, Col Ernie Colon. Yeah. Um, now, as Donna and Terry plan a trip, our main man receives a letter from an old friend. His best friend. Best <laughs> friend forever, in fact. Wow. Yes. 
Terry actually said that. Uh, imagine being Terry Lone's BFF. Yeah, and having that's got to be lock it. Uh, you know, <laughs> crazy. That's got to be a roller coaster ride. <laughs> now, uh, now this friend has a name. It's Denny Hyman, and he's writing from El Salvador, where he's been digging for Mayan relics. Donna doesn't think El Salvador is all that romantic a spot for them to vacay. <laughs> Luckily, it turns out she's not invited for the trip. <laughs> Terry, Terry's going to go by himself. Uh, Donna is not pleased, and she storms out of the room to, quote, work off some steam like a man. The hell does that mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> turns out, I guess it means that she's going to go lift heavy machinery while complaining about phony sensitive men. Like Alan Alda and Phil Donahue. Wow, a very topical. She dropped those names. <laughs> topical uh, workout. Well, I'll tell you, that's not, not what I thought it was going to be, but I'm a little more cleaner. That's nice. Yes, it's much better this year. <laughs> now, uh, Terry Long heads out to El Salvador and is immediately taken captive. Uh, later on in the issue, Donna arrives to save him. Bada bing, bada boom. Terry Long, man of action, lasts less than one issue, which is still somehow <laughs> several issues too long. Too Long. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, New Teen Titans, Volume 2, Number 34, August 1987 cover. non Mento, epilogue by Marvin Eduardo. Donna takes Terry to the place she was found as a baby. It's no longer a dilapidated building, though. It's now a busy retail area. The Titans show up to the third, fourth, and fifth wheels to this little uh, sojourn. Seems like this might be starting to wear on our man. Terry says... Well, well, this is old home week, isn't it? One Titan shows up, and they all do. Mm, it's like we got a little uh, chink in the armor here. Yeah, yeah, something's uh, going on. <laughs> all is not paradise anymore here. No. Now we jump to New Teen Titans, Volume 2, Number 41. This is March 1988. Hidden Agenda by Marvin Eduardo. We learn that since his termination from a certain New York college, Terry has been working in a bookstore. And he hates it. I hope that wasn't the only thing in that issue, right? There was more to this. That, it wasn't just an issue of him in a bookstore. <laughs> it, was, it was him standing on a bridge talking about how much he hates just, it. Just for 20 pages. Uh, yeah, uh, New T Titans, Volume 2, Number 46, August 1988 cover. Mindquake by Marvin Eduardo. Welcome to Act 3 of the Terry Long Saga, which is we're calling Settle Down, Donna. Donna's injured in battle, and Terry begs her to rest. And, Terry seems to be getting tired of this Titans business. Well, you just wait, pal. This is, this is nothing. And we're all going to uh, get tired of it soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to go ahead to New Titans. We dropped the teen. It's New Titans number 55, June 1989. And uh, we're also skipping Who is Wonder Girl. Uh, this transitions by Marvin George again. Following the Overlong Who is Wonder Girl, which I've tried reading several times. I don't think I've ever made it through. Wow, we might have to make, um, might have to make that a, uh, tread, a treadmill <laughs> task one time to force it. Now, uh, Donna returns home and reunites with her husband. And uh, they almost reunite in the back of a cab, actually. Uh, now, she and we learn that Terry's ex and daughter have been staying at their place while Donna was away. Marsha apparently needed someone to talk to, and Terry... Was that somebody? Uh, we get a Terry Long fun fact here. His first honeymoon was at Niagara Falls. 
the Canadian side. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know Def- what that means. Yeah, definitely he's up to no good, the Canadian mm-hmm. side. What, what is that? What are you trying to hide? <laughs> anyway, uh, New Titans, number 63, February 1990 cover, Into the Darkness by Marv and Tom, Tom Grummet. Don has been injured again, and Terry visits her in the hospital, and he doesn't really take it well. In New Titans, number 64, March 1990 cover, Scourge by Marv and Tom, that Terry cannot convince a still injured Donna to cool her jets. Mm-hmm. New Titans, issue 71, November 1990. Beginnings, endings, and we promise new beginnings by Marvin Tom. This is the first chapter of what is known as Titans Hunt. Uh, it's, I don't think it's ever been called that officially or wasn't at the time. Uh, it's a storyline that runs for a good, uh, better part of a year of uh, Titan stories here. And this opens with an anniversary party for the Titans that nobody can make it to because they all get kidnapped by the Wildebeests. Oh, at least they're all kidnapped Mm. together, so. Yes. Uh, We do get a a couple of choice uh, Terry quotes. He says, Donna wakes up screaming every morning. God knows what the neighbors think I'm doing to her. And he says, when the gods call, us mortals get the heavenly boot. A little passive-aggressive. Now, we'll probably do a long-form Titans Hunt episode when we cover the life and times of Jericho. So we'll err on the side of not spoiling that story today. Yeah, and this is all about Terry Long anyway, not about, uh, you know, the Titans necessarily. Uh, New Titans number 80, November 1991, The Once and Future dot 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 by Marv and Kerry Gamble. Interrupting the Titans Hunt story, the Team Titans, Team Titans, more on them in a bit, arrive on the scene and appear to be quite interested in the Longs. More on that in a bit, too. In, T- in New Titans, number 88, July 1992 cover, Bringing Up Baby by Marv, Lenween, and Tom Grummet. Donna and Terry learn they're expecting. Ooh. Hooray. Which leads us to... Total chaos. Oh, total chaos. (laughs) A multi-part story published between September and November 1992 cover dates, running through these titles. We've got Deathstroke the Terminator number 14. That's part one, Child's Play, by Marv Wolfman and Art Nichols. Second part is New Titans number 90, That Which Lurks Within a Star, by Wolfman and Tom Grummet. Team... Titans, number one. It's part three, Childhood's End. And this is an issue with five variant stories. Yep. Not covers, stories. Featuring origins for the characters Terra, not that one, Kilowatt, Mirage, Knight Rider, not that one either, (laughs) and Red Wing by Wolfman and Kevin McGuire. Yeah, the variant stories gimmick. You know, it's like they kind of missed the mark on that. And I've got all of them. Well, if you're going to in for a penny, in for a pound, that's the old collector's creed. (laughs) Uh, Deathstroke the Terminator number 15 was part four, Escape from New York by Wolfman and Nichols. New Titans number 91 was part five, Growing Pains by Wolfman and Grummet. Team Titans number two held part six from Ashes from the Ashes of Defeat by Wolfman and McGuire. Deathstroke the Terminator number 16, part seven, Terminated the Death of Slade Wilson by Mar- Marv and uh, Nichols. Uh, New Titans number 92, which is part eight, My Enemy, dash dash, My Mother by Wolfman and Grummet. <laughs> And uh, we wrap it up in Team Titans number three, part nine, Out of Chaos by Marv Wolfman and Kevin McGuire. So in this story, we meet Donna Troy and Terry Long's son from an alternate timeline 
Robert Long. He's also the Lord of Chaos and goes by the name Lord Chaos. Well, that's convenient. I, I, I like that when people are named what they do. That makes it yeah. easy for people to remember them. <laughs> uh, in his future, he rapidly aged himself from empathy and killed, killed Donna Troy. He also created a food additive called Num Nuts. Numb dust. Uh, that's what I said. Uh, yeah, numb <laughs> dust. This food additive caused those who ate, ate it to become subservient to their lord and master. Now, after Robert took over the world, there was a boom in metahuman births. And so, all the new metahumans were corralled into indoctrination camps so they could be programmed as agents of chaos. A group of these metas rebelled and became the Team Titans. Knowing that there was no force powerful enough to defeat Lord Chaos, the Teamsters decided their best bet would be traveling back in time to kill Donna Troy before she gives birth. Of course, they arrive in the real DC universe, uh, an alternate to their own. So even if they kill this Donna, there's no guarantee Lord Chaos still wouldn't rise to power. Also, to you know, to keep things going well here, Lord Chaos decides to travel back in time too. So uh, he's he's present and accounted for for this mess. But wouldn't that mean that the Team Titans' future is fine? Because Lord Chaos is, is here. <laughs> he left. <laughs> they they just, they just got to run around him and go head back to the future anyway. Uh, the story is convoluted, as you, you might have heard, uh, and pretty terrible. It ends with Donna relinquishing her powers and baby Roberts as well. So she, Terry, and Robert can live a normal life. The Titans of Myth grant her this favor, and also take Lord Chaos with them to teach him humility. And uh, we're pretty sure he's never seen again. Uh, maybe not. We are by no means complaining. No, we're not looking to see him anytime soon. <laughs> uh, in Team Titans number five, February 93 cover, Heavy Metallic by Marv and Vince Russell. Donna signs up to be a sort of den mother to the Teamsters, moving them to their farm that she and Terry share, and Terry ain't terribly pleased. No, he is visibly displeased, in fact. Uh, we go to Team Titans number 10. This is July 1993 cover date. The Darkening Night Part 4, Sometimes a Mirage is Real, by Marv and <laughs> Phil Jimenez. Now, in this issue, Donna rushes off to save the Teamsters, despite Terry's arguments against. Donna. Please hear me out. Terry, I know what you're going to say. They once tried to kill you, Donna. They were trying to save their future. Only it turned out we weren't their real past. They were willing to kill you even though it wouldn't have helped. Terry, that's over. Donna, we have Robert now. I don't want the kind of trouble they bring hurting our son. I don't know, man. I think I'm 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 actually moving to Terry's side. I, I got. I agree. <laughs> Terry's making some good points here. I got. I have to admit. Yes. Uh, I definitely feel where he's coming from. Uh, in Team Titans number eleven, August ninety three, cover date: Hunter by Marv, Tom Payer, and Gordon Purcell. Terry wants the Teamsters gone from their farm yesterday. Be during a celebratory barbecue. Donna goes, "Hey, handsome. I've got some nitrates here with your name on them." Want to live dangerously? You know I don't. Oh, lighten up, Terry. I can't. We have no idea what kind of danger these kids will bring. They've got to go, Donna. It's not fair to me, and it's not fair to the baby. I'll talk to them. Soon. Make sure you do. I do, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm known for hating Terry Long, but he's making some he's, really good he's, points. He's here. he's acting like the adult over here. I got to right? as bad as that <laughs> might be. 
Now, uh, we're going to go ahead to Team Titans number 13. As if you couldn't tell here, uh, Donna and Terry were shifted from New Titans to Team Titans. Yeah, very conveniently. Uh, <laughs> now, this story is called Times Are Far Between and Few With That. It's by new writer Jeff Jensen and Phil Jimenez. Terry is still hating life, but at least he's still getting laid. That's right, he thinks to himself. Forgot how much making love to Donna takes it out of me. The Titans of Myth taught her a heck of a lot more than discus throwing. That's for sure. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, God, why? What? What, what did you... <laughs> What is it you think goes on on Mount Olympus, Terry? That's what I want to... Is it, is it just like a constant orgy? I mean, it's what just, is this? It's just, it's just sex education, hands-on sex oh education my. among the gods. Uh, anyway, so in <laughs> Team Titans number 17, February 1994 cover, entitled You Can't Go Home Again, Part 1 by Jensen Jimenez and Terry Dodson, the long farm is attacked by elemental beasties endangering both Terry and baby Robert. Exactly what he worried about. Terry mm-hmm. gets clobbered by a grandfather clock. Mm-hmm. In Teen Titans number 18, March 94, cover date, You Can't Go Home Again, Part 2 by Jensen, Jimenez, and Dodson. EMTs arrive, and Terry fears his son might have been traumatized by the attack. Which brings us to Team Titans number 21 in June 1994. Facing the Future by Jensen, Jimenez, and Brian Hitch. Terry finally moves out. He takes baby Robert and moves back in with his ex-wife, Marsha, and daughter, Jenny. In New Titans number 119, March 1995 cover, Forever Evil, Chapter 1, colon, Dark Titans. Uh, The divorce proceedings are proceeding, as they should. Hmm. Uh, We learn that Terry's lawyer is requesting a restraining order from Donna, claiming that her lifestyle puts their son in danger. Yeah, Terry's lawyer goes, Judge Andrews. Mr. Longfield's Robert has already suffered more abuse than any baby, child, or adult should. We want to keep Ms. Troy from ever putting her child in danger again. And Judge Andrews says, And I agree. And then Donna smashes the table, endearing her to nobody in the courtroom. No. No, it really doesn't prove <laughs> her point. Does not make like a very chill change. parent, I gotta say, doing that, yeah. And it's weird, though. I mean, this, we don't get any, it's just the divorce is happening. It's it's kind of like when Donna agreed to marry him. We don't we don't see it. I mean, you know, you do kind of have to gloss over some of these details, but there are, there are certain bigger details you you assume would have a scene. But anyway, we will have that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we will later in a way. But first, we're gonna jump way ahead of time here. We're gonna go to Wonder Woman issue one twenty one, May nineteen ninety seven. Stories called Stone May Grow by John Byrne. Hmm. <laughs> In this issue, Terry appears on one page, and on that one page, he dies. Hey! <laughs> in this page, Terry and his children, Jenny and Robert, are run off a cliff in their car. That's pretty underwhelming, considering how much we've invested into these characters, but okay. Right? <laughs> but, but if we have learned anything, it's that if John Byrne doesn't like something, he's going to make sure the world knows he don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for posterity's sake here, Terry's last mortal utterance is... More headlights, baby. That's all it can. And don't worry, though. This leads well, nowhere, actually. Terry's dead, and so were the kids. Yeah, That's it. Really kind of brutal. You really kind of expect something to happen here, but... There's no uh, fallout. John Burns <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> had the final word on that. And, uh, That's it. I'm, I'm almost surprised that the road wasn't called, like, you know... 
screw you wolfman path or something <laughs> yeah. you know just like uh, a little more subtle Mar something. marvel owns blade way there you go something like that exactly <laughs> yeah uh anyway though th there's more to say about him in titans 25 more 2001 cover who is troya by jay faber Fairber, Marv Wolfman, Paul Pouncier, Phil Jimenez, Nick Cardi, George Perez, Tom Grummet, and Terry Dodson. A flashback to a scarily straight-haired Terry asking Donna for a divorce. So we do get that scene. He says, would have brought Robert along, but frankly, I'm concerned for his safety. For his safety? Terry, I love my son. I'd never do anything to harm him. And then he goes into an anti-team Titan rant. Is this your idea of normal, turning our farm into a summer camp for the Team Titans? They have nowhere else to go. Did you want me to just turn my back on them? Yes. But you couldn't, could you? Because the fact of the matter is you were always were a better mother to the Titans than to your own son. And that remark earned him a smack in the face. <laughs> is this why you wanted to see me, Terry? So you can insult and belittle me? No. I asked you here so I could tell you in person that I'm filing for divorce. Mm, remember what we said earlier about not asking questions you don't want the answer there to. There it is. <laughs> now, later on in the issue, we get a more recent flashback to the funeral of baby Robert. It's here that we learn that Terry would be buried with his daughter Jenny, and Bobby would lay alone. Mm, that's cold, isn't it? Pretty messed up, but okay. And now we'll we'll jump ahead to Teen Titans slash Outsiders Secret Files and Origins number one. This is from December two thousand three. Uh, you know, Secret Files and Origins feature many stories, most of them disposable. Uh, mm -hmm. This one might be as well. <laughs> uh, we we have a story called "Who Was Donna Troy" by Phil Jimenez. Uh, it's not uh, Terry's funeral. It's not Robert's funeral. It's Donna's funeral we're oh. at today. Uh, if if anybody recalls, uh, and I wouldn't blame you if you don't, uh, <laughs> she was killed by a robot Superman during the Titans Young Justice Graduation Day miniseries. Okay, and uh, mm -hmm. we, we get an appearance from an angry Marsha Long. She goes off on Wonder Woman for all things superheroic. Yes, and she makes reference to scenes that we've never seen, but we'll assume that they actually they existed off-panel here. She goes, all my daughter Jennifer ever wanted to be was Donna Troy, Wonder Girl number two. And now my whole family's gone because of that woman, because of all of you. Okay, yeah, it's like, what happened? Yeah. I'd like I, I don't remember know. Donna and Jenny being that close. No, ever. It's, it's, you know, they sort of tolerated each other. It looked like they were becoming friendly, right? I'm not sure they were in the same room outside that first appearance. Well, wasn't that wasn't that one scene where they were in a car together? I'm I, I only just reading I Titans, and uh, you know, I'm your father's friend. Anyway, it's not a, it's not a, <laughs> it was a very like '80s divorce scene. You know what I mean? Just yes. like how how we can make it work, and by you know '80s divorce. <laughs> and then finally, Blackest Night Titans number one through three, October through December 2009 cover date by J.T. Kroll and Ed Bennis. Terry and Robert Long come back from the dead to annoy the Titans. And Donna winds up having to punch through old Terry and has to snap baby Robert's neck. Because mm -hmm. that's Black what that Lantern, series was long. like. <laughs> yes, it was very, very dark, very, very brutal. Yep. But uh, that's it. That's all we got to say. Terry Long. As far as Terry Long's appearance, he's never appeared in since the New 52 that I know of or since, no? since this Blackest Night ever. Uh, no, it's, it, it's, it, it's just so... He, he just, I mean, he literally just fell off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's true. Uh, and I, I think that that's 
really not the best thing for him. You know, like you said, you've gone through your Terry Long journey through doing this. To, I yeah. think coming to a point of acceptance. <laughs> yeah, acceptance, maybe a little begrudging respect, but uh, especially towards the end when he was actually a voice of reason. Yeah. Um, and it, it's and as and as as much as he's creeped me out, and as much as he's creeped everybody out, if you're gonna kill him, he deserved a better exit than, yeah, than the it, one he got. A very Bernieian type thing. I mean, true, right? Yeah, true, something that could really happen, obviously, but. Sure. That doesn't make it narratively any more satisfying, you know. Absolutely not. Yeah. That, that's very much like a let's destroy Pittsburgh, let's uh, you know, whatever it is, yeah. get the last guy kind of tactic, but Yeah. That was it, but the uh, creators had a couple of comments to say about this. They do. We have George Perez on the Terry and Donna relationship. He says, "Everything's become a little lighter. I was determined, as was Marv actually, that Donna's wedding was going to be ideal as far as her relationship with Terry." Not idealistic in the sense that they never had arguments, but in the fact that they understood each other. He's not Steve Trevor, God forbid. He's not Lois Lane. You know, that type of relationship. They're two adult people who understand each other, respect each other, and genuinely love each other. And that whole thing has become a big thing in the stuff I tend to do. I tend to do a lot of happy stuff. Terry and Donna have a nice adult relationship, thank God. I think there are still some in the world. It's true, and it is like that. It's not. It's not like a uh, these obsequious, you know, uh, where Terry's constantly chasing Donna, even though he can't get her to say the word "I, I, I love you." <laughs> uh, you know, you definitely do feel that. Like I said, like it had been going on for so long when this wedding issue happened. It was like, okay, this feels right. You know, it doesn't feel like you're getting ripped off at all. In fact, you really felt like it was a great thing. You know, so uh, you gotta, you have to go through the series to uh, understand if you had never done that before. Uh, Marv, on the breakup of uh, Terry and Donna, had to say, The breakup happened in Team Titans after I left it. I disagree with it and said so, but the writer did it anyway. It was wrong in my mind to do it. Donna and Terry would not suddenly split up that way. They may have split up if we saw a real problem between them, but I had them just occasionally have Donna's power come between them, something they would have gotten through. Once the divorce was done, though, and I got the character back, I could not simply undo what was done. Hence my following up on it, etc. It was an editorial decision that led Donna to Kyle, Rainer, Green Lantern, that specifically, which I also don't feel was right, but I had no real reason to argue. If Donna was split with Terry and Dick was splitting with Corey, I would have slowly had Dick and Donna get together, which I did suggest in an overview memo. Which would have felt pretty uh, natural, I would yeah, say. Yeah, and that definitely, I mean, that was what that scene was between them in the wedding, wedding was about, yeah. was sort of, you know, putting a button on that or whatever, whatever however you want to put mm-hmm. it. So uh, that's it, though, for our comics content, really, at least yes. for, for this moment. For the life and times of Terry Long. That's right. Uh, <laughs> before we hop into our hook here, let's wrap up the creators here. We'll start with uh, with Marv Wolfman here. Uh, Marv and George would team up again to create the 12-issue DC Universe-altering maxi-series known as Crisis on Infinite Earths. And uh, as you might be aware, you can check out our five-part, nearly 12 hours worth of coverage on Crisis wow. in Cosmic Treadmill episodes 50 through 54 in the archives. <laughs> now, uh, post-Crisis, Marv wrote Adventures of Superman, which was renamed from Superman. Uh, this was beginning with issue number 424, the January 1987 issue, which was drawn by Jerry Ordway. A disagreement over a proposed rating system would lead to Marv being relieved of his editorial position at DC in 1987. 
Uh, he would write Batman Year Three, and that was in Batman issues 436 through 439. Uh, that's August through September 1989. And in that, he created Tim Drake, the third Robin. That's right, and he's still hanging around today in many different guises. In uh, the early 1990s, Wolfman worked at Disney Comics, and as the 1990s wore on, Wolfman turned to writing primarily for animated series, something he dabbled in throughout the 1980s. Before the release of the Blade motion picture, which was August 1998, distributed by New Line Cinema, Wolfman sued Marvel Characters Incorporated over ownership of all characters he had created for Marvel Comics. And he lost the case. Uh, we go into greater detail, I think, in another episode about that. But we do. That's yeah. all there is to it, really. In it might be the John Byrne episode. I, I think it is because it, it, it heavily factors in Byrne's testimony. <laughs> that uh, that's what we're kind of alluding to. Uh, in 2007, Wolfman published a novel through iBooks based on Crisis on Infinite Earths. Rather than following the original plot, he created a new story starring the Barry Allen Flash that takes place during the original Crisis story. So it's like from his point of view. Uh, which I we've said it a couple of times. I really would like to check out what that's like sometime. Yeah. yeah. Most recently, Marv wrote a few issues of Superboy in a six-issue Raven miniseries for DC Comics. He's actually doing a, a Raven maxi series. Twelve issues, right? Yeah, starting I, mm-hmm. if not this month, definitely next month. I think it starts later this month. Uh, so. And he is married to Noel Watkins. They live in Southern California. Now back across the desk, George Perez. Uh, Perez would ink the uh, final, quote, issue of Superman. That's issue 423, September 1986, which is part one of Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, that piece that was written by Alan Moore with pencils by uh, Kurt Swan. Uh, He was also one of the artists on the landmark Batman number 400, this October 1986 cover. Uh, Wolfman and Perez teamed again to produce the history of the DC Universe. That's a two-issue prestige format in 1986 that kind of laid the foundation for what the post-crisis DC Universe was going to be looking like. Yeah. Uh, Now, George inked the Jurassic Park comic book adaptation of the movie for Topps Comics. That was in 1993 with pencils by Gil Kane. In February 1998, George began penciling the third volume of The Avengers with Kurt Busiek writing, and they would stay for three years. Kurt would stick around on the title for five. After leaving The Avengers, he and Busiek produced the long-awaited JLA Avengers intercompany crossover, which saw print in late 2003. In 2011, for the new 52 relaunch, George wrote the Superman series, art by Jesus Moreno and Nicholas Scott. He remained there until issue number six. In July 2012, Perez explained his departure from Superman as a reaction to the level of editorial oversight he experienced. This included inconsistent reasons given for the rewrites of his material, the inability of editors to explain to him the basic aspects of the new 52. Superman's status quo, such as whether his adoptive parents were still alive, and restrictions imposed by having to be consistent with Action Comics, which is set five years earlier than Superman. And it was quite a crazier story than that. No, even, let was, me tell yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> a situation that was very much complicated by the fact that action comics writer Grant Morrison was not forthcoming about his plans on the title. So, wanted yeah, to be a surprise. <laughs> that that was that. I I always hear rumblings George Perez is going to do this and that, but I don't think I've seen anything in a couple of years. Uh, yeah, I don't know where. I think he's. I think he signed on exclusive with Boom a little while back, but yeah. I. I, I gotta admit, I haven't been following it as, think, well, as I don't much think as I should. Seen anything, uh, but it could be wrong. But anyway, he's definitely a guy that, if he, you know, 
wants to write his own ticket and do commissions, he oh, probably yeah. would do very Whatever well. he wants. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Uh, now for The Hook. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, more weddings in comicdom, but we are not going to include all those times Lois and Clark got married in the Silver no, Age or, or any of the times that Lois married a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to do any of or, that. Or, or Superman married a different woman and Lois got jealous, yes. so it turned out to be a robot or something. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll start with one of the more iconic ones here. We got Reed Richards and Sue Storm. They got married in Fantastic Four Annual Number Three. This is October 1965 cover date. Story is called Bedlam at the Baxter Building by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Now, this is a ceremony that is attended by nearly every Marvel hero and crashed by nearly every Marvel <laughs> villain. Uh, proof positive for the first time here uh, that for Marvel fans that this that you know comic book continuity exists. All these people are sharing the same. That's hair. right. There had been there had been sort of crossover issues, whatever. Sure. To see them all in the same Never place. Never to this extent, yeah. And uh, I can't remember. I know the Hulk couldn't be there, and I think it was Namor, right? Couldn't be there because mm-hmm. they had things going on in their stories, in their books at the time. So Continuity it, lived. It all fit together. It was really a mm-hmm. watershed moment for a lot. This whole generation of creators often talk about this issue as being a big deal. Uh, Aunt May and Dr. Octopus, if you, if you can believe it, in uh. Amazing Spider-Man number 131, April 1974. My uncle, my enemy? By Jerry Conway and Ross Andrew, uh, who later became a judge in this uh, issue of Teen Titans. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> uh, they started dating in Amazing Spider-Man number 115, December 1972, cover date. Lois and Clark of Earth 2. Hey. This happened in Action Comics number 484. This is June 1978 cover. Story's called Superman Takes a Wife by Carrie Bates and Kurt Swan. Now, after Superman contracts amnesia and forgets that he's Superman, Lois and Clark get married. Eventually, Clark remembers that he's Superman, and then the whole jig is up. Uh, they do uh, they do actually go through with a Kryptonian ceremony after that, uh, because uh, Lois thinks that now that he knows he's Superman, he's going to dump her, but he surprises her by taking her to yeah, the fortress. Yeah, you got to lock, lock him down on two Earths, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> you know? And, I'm, and they, I think they got married by a machine. It might have been that Metricom from... Oh, <laughs> God, that's right. <laughs> Marrying machine. <laughs> Oh god! If, it, if you're gonna make it official, it's got to be done right, Chris. You know how it is. Yeah, you need it stamped by the Magic <laughs> Uh Now the Kents would become a featured story in the series Superman Family. There was, you know, they'd have stories called Mister and Mrs. Superman. Uh, they'd also appear in backups of Action and, and Superman from time to time. But in uh, Superman Family, from issues 195 through 199, and then in issues 201 through 222, these stories ran from 1979 through 1982. I mean, that second batch is, you know, especially the long run of uh, Superman family, uh, Mr. And, and they're Superman. wild. Yeah, they're wild. They're, they're, it's sort of uh, the same formula as the Bizarro stories, but, you know. They were a lot of fun. Yeah. Not for that. But uh, Barry and Iris, Barry Allen and Iris West, they got married in The Flash, number 165, number 1966, cover date, titled One Bridegroom Too Many by John Broom and Carmine Infantino. In this, Professor Zoom swaps places with Barry the night before he's to marry Iris. But Barry shows up in the nick of time, puts a stop to it, and everything's fine. So that worked out yes. well. Well, until, of course, Iris dies. Yeah, that, and, that uh, part didn't work out so well. You're right. And, yeah. then, and then Barry decides to remarry. <laughs> he's going to... He, he, uh, he doesn't collect dust or something. He said, he, uh, lightning doesn't strike twice, even though 
I'm a guy that can literally prove that lightning would strike twice in the same place. You know? <laughs> like between him and, him and Wally, right? Reliability. Uh, <laughs> now, he, he plans to marry his childhood sweetheart, Fiona Webb. And this goes down in The Flash number 324. This is July 1983 cover date. Story is called Run, Flash. Run for your wife. By Carrie Bates and Carmine Infantino. Titled by Henny Youngman, so, actually. If you're yes. <laughs> Run for your wife, please. Please. Uh, <laughs> now, Fiona and Barry agree to get married here, and the reverse flash shows up to try to kill the bride. He fails. Barry kills him. He accidentally breaks his neck. Mm-hmm. So the reverse flash dies. And this begins a chain of events that will become the trial of the flash. A very long story arc that lasts until the final issue of the series, issue 350. Two years later. Over two years later in October 1985. Now, uh, in the interim, Fiona has a nervous breakdown, and the wedding is called off. Thankfully, though, Barry does visit her in the behavioral unit, like, once. Oh, that's good. You know, that's that's, uh, more than I would do, probably. Now, uh... (laughs) Go over to Cyclops and Madeline Pryor over at Marvel and Uncanny X-Men number 175, November 1983 cover date, titled Phoenix! Exclamation point by Chris Claremont, Paul Smith, and John Romita Jr. After most of an issue is given to wondering if Scott Summers' ex-girlfriend Jean Grey is back from the dead yet, at the very end he places flowers on Jean's grave and marries Madeline Pryor. But it will turn out that Madeline's a clone of Jean imbued with her essence anyway because... This is, after all, still comic books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes things are too good to be true. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> we're going to go to a uh, somewhat controversial wedding here, Come, somewhat controversial marriage. Yeah, uh, Peter the wedding Parker wasn't and controversial. Jane. It was yes. stuff later. but <laughs> Yes. Now, this would go down in Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 21, September 1987 cover. It's called The Wedding by David Michelini, Jim Shooter, and Paul Ryan. Not a whole lot of interesting stuff to say about the issue beyond them. You know, it's spoiler alert, they get married at the end. Yeah. Uh, the more interesting stuff is everything surrounding the event. Now, Stan Lee, who was writing the Amazing Spider-Man newspaper strip at the time and still is today, wanted Peter and Mary Jane to be married simultaneously in the comic book and in the comic strip, which proved to be a difficult feat. He says... I suggested that Spider-Man and Mary Jane be married to whoever was in charge, and they thought it was a good idea too. Now I wanted to have—I wanted to find a way to have them get married in the comic books and the newspaper strip at the same time. There's no way I can explain to you how difficult that was because the comic books are written two or three months ahead, and newspaper strip is written a certain period of time ahead. To synchronize the two is almost impossible. Also, the Spider-Man strip had one storyline going on, and in the newspaper strip, we had a totally different storyline going on. And in order to make them sort of come together so there'd be a marriage, well, it was the toughest thing creatively that I think I've ever done or the people at Marvel had done. Well, you know, luckily he can assess that. So that, that Anyway, uh, Spider-Man's <laughs> wedding was performed in 1987 as a live-action tie-in held at Shea Stadium. And yeah, I believe you can see videos of it. I know you can see a lot of uh, photos of it. Still on images, there. yeah. Uh, this issue is printed with two covers, by the way. One with Peter and MJ and their friends and family behind, and another with Peter in a Spidey garb, and the attendees are all superheroes. Jim Shooter said, uh, sarcastically, this is the only... Variant cover they did during his time. 
Hmm. Now, as many people know, that this this was all undone by 2007's One More Day storyline, and uh, I, I bet Dollars and Donuts is probably a cosmic treadmill yeah, episode definitely. or two there. Uh, now, now with the story of the wedding day itself being rewritten in 2010's One Moment in Time, that was Amazing Spider-Man issues 638 through 641. Okay, moving right along to Bruce Banner and Betty Ross uh, in the Incredible Hulk number 319, May 1986 cover date, member of the wedding by John Byrne, who was bringing the character back to basics. At this point, the Hulk and Bruce Banner are separate entities. Ah, back to basics, right? That's exactly like you first found him, huh? Gray (laughs) and separate for some. Anyway, uh, Betty's father, General Thaddeus Ross, tries to stop the wedding by shooting Rick Jones in the stomach. But it doesn't work, and Bruce and Betty marry anyway. Oh, married Bruce Banner. It really doesn't get more back to basics than that, right? <laughs> it's exactly the way it was conceived by Stan right? and, Kurt and Jack Kirby. <laughs> Nobody cares that Rick Jones gets shot in the stomach. No, right. he's fine. He's, he <laughs> he's he okay. turned out to be fine. He survived. Uh, we're going to talk about another Cyclops wedding, this time to the real Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. Now, this went down in X-Men Volume 2, Number 30, March 1994. The story's called The Ties That Bind by... Uh, Tom, De, was this Tom DeFalco? Yeah, Tom DeFalco, Andy Cubitt, uh, Matthew Ryan, and Todd Klein. And this is, uh, uh, the, what I remember this for is the, uh, the uh, was it, where Cyclops was going to ask Jean to marry him, but doesn't. And then Jean actually she, she asked him to marry She proposes. Yeah, that's the thing. But they left, they left the bubble blank. In the issues. Uncanny X-Men 308, they left the bubble blank. So, so it's like. She just says nothing. She says bubble. Wow. <laughs> it's great. Wow. But uh yeah, this goes to prove that neither pouting nor several deaths can keep these two lovebirds apart. Oh, that's it's very sweet. I have no idea what's going on now, but that is very nice. Oh god only knows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh now you know, of course we talked about one big Teen Titans wedding. We're gonna talk about the other arguably bigger one in a sense, or the more anticipated one between Nightfing Nightwing and Starfire. That almost happened in New Titans number 100, August 1993 cover. Something old, something new, something borrowed, something dead. By Marv Wolfman, Tom Grubbett, and Bill Jaska. Uh, Dick and Corey's wedding is interrupted when a newly evil raven kills the minister. And that really would end the wedding rapidly because they have to sign the license at the end. Yeah, and this was a bad issue. Yeah, oh, I just I just covered you this just one on the blog. Just did it for your website. I know. And I, I went. Oh I was Lord, like, it's Ouch. bad. <laughs> and this is and this is the uh, the passing of the torch from Grummet to Jaska. Oh it, boy, you, you got to see it. some rough things. You you can check it out. But we'll obviously mm. drop the URL later. But it, it did just happen. It's pretty great. Oh, it's it was. Oof, it was bad. <laughs> uh, back, back over at Marvel, we got the wedding of uh, a healed from being shot in the stomach, Rick Jones, to his uh, lady friend Marlo Chandler. Uh, this happened in the Incredible Hulk number four eighteen, is June nineteen ninety four cover date. Story's called "We Are Gathered Here." Dot dot dot. It's a uh, sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, this is by Peter David and Gary Frank. Rick and Marlo are married, despite the fact that various supervillains crash the ceremony just to observe it. 
they, they didn't come to mess anything up. They just want to see it. You know, that happens and, to, uh, to Sue and Reed, too. You know, those villains, they come, yeah. and they all have, like, invites. They've got, like, floating yeah. invites. It's hilarious. <laughs> now, and Mephisto also shows up to attempt to ruin <laughs> things by taking Marlo's soul. Oh. Uh, she was a dancer in Vegas and doesn't have a soul, thankfully, so it was okay. Um, now, this features a cameo from Death of the Endless. Who uh, gives Marlo a wedding gift in the form of a hairbrush? Wow. This is a classic uh, Peter David pun, as Marlo had just been dead. So, uh, ergo, she had a brush with death. Uh, wah, wah. That's, that's uh, about so. I would I would have to say, though, is do not accept any gift, gifts from death. I'm just... I'm no, no, you don't, don't touch idea. anything to give it. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, don't even handle any <laughs> coins, anything. It's not a good idea. Uh, let's not forget a big comics wedding and Superman, the wedding album number one. That was triangle number 47 for 1996. Cover date, December 1996. By... Many, many people contributed to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, pretty much whenever we do a bio of somebody, if they did, we mentioned that they contributed to this issue. Yeah. And of course, this is Lois Lane and Clark Kent. Uh, after being away from Metropolis for a year, Lois returns and marries the fella, finally. Mm-hmm. And it's also the death of the mullet. So that's a, that's a plus. That's nice, too, right? Uh, we have another Flash wedding. This time it's Wally West and Linda Park. This one down in Flash, Volume 2, Number 142, October 1998, cover date. Stories called Get Me to the Church on Time by Mark <laughs> Wade, Brian Augustine, and Pop Man. Now the wedding of Wally West to Linda Park, which ends with Linda vanishing as soon as he slips the ring on her finger, and Wally losing all memory of her having existed. The perfect wedding, some would say. It is. Perfect marriage. Uh, <laughs> Luke, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones did the deed, and by that I mean marriage, and New Avengers Annual number 1, June 2006 cover date. <laughs> Happily Ever After by Brian Michael Bendis and Oliver Coipel. Uh, Stan Lee officiates this wedding between Power Man and Elias. Now we also have uh, another Aunt May wedding, this time to J. Jonah Jameson Sr., now, this goes down in Amazing Spider-Man number 600, September 2009 cover date. Last Legs by Dan Slott and John Romita Jr. Uh, former fiancé Dr. Octopus, also dying of brain cancer, tries to halt this wedding, but is unsuccessful. Now, this issue marks the return of Mary Jane, the first we actually see of her since the brand new day era began. Wow. And it also lays the groundwork for what would be known as uh, the, you know, the Superior Spider-Man run yeah. that happened in 2012, uh, following issue 700 of Amazing right. Spider-Man. Right. This really is the very beginning groundwork. It's basically what mm-hmm. happens with Doctor Octopus in this issue, but not really relevant to the uh, you know the wedding at hand—a beautiful wedding. Sure. And uh, they stayed married for quite a while. I mean, they still are, I believe. You know, you got me, Chris. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I look, I look over, I look over at the uh, you know red labeled comics, and I'm like, what is happening? You know, I really couldn't tell you if my life depended on it. Uh, who knows? Maybe one, during one of the reboots, uh, they eliminated all marriages, and everyone's got open marriages now. I'm not sure. Could be. Uh, in Green Arrow and Black Canary wedding special number one, November 2007, cover date, titled, and they said it wouldn't last by Judd Winnick and Amanda Connor. Guess what happened? Ooh, Oliver Queen and Dinah Lance have a well-attended marriage ceremony. Probably the most heralded wedding in the comics, having been preceded by Black Canary Wedding Planner number one, and Justice League of America Wedding Special number one, both coming out in with November 2007 cover dates. 
Now we'll wrap up with another sort of controversial one. This is North Star and Kyle Janadu. This happened in Astonishing X-Men, number 51, August 2012, by Marjorie Liu and Mike Perkins. Jean-Paul Barbier, the uh, North Star from Alpha Flight, mm-hmm. and Kyle are married in a ceremony officiated by the Beast, Hank McCoy. Uh, the wedding is well attended by many Marvel heroes, but they're in formal attire and uh, thus are <laughs> more or less unrecognizable. A lot of them, yeah. I mean, I, I just found it so it's just, funny. Uh, it's like, like, that guy might be Luke Cage. Exactly, know. you know what I mean? It's like, well, you know, here's a, guy, here's a blonde guy that could be yep, Johnny Storm. Maybe it's Iron Fist. I'm yeah. not sure, it could be a lot of guys. Uh, but, uh, this one was famous for being the first same-sex marriage because uh, at the time it seemed like Marvel and DC were racing to be the first. Uh, yeah, I don't I, think the ink was dry yet. Has DC and, done it? I'm not, I can't think of uh, not between heroes, but they have had people marry. Uh, yes, yes. In, the, in the books, but yeah, not not between major characters, and you know, we can't cover every marriage ever in comics you know obviously i mean if you want to go back to the uh romance comics era we would be here another several weeks at least you know (laughs) we'd go on and on but uh if we forgot any or if you want to talk about this uh uh terry long or the his marriage to donna troy or you want to talk about your wet marriage perhaps you want to tell us how great it is or you want to complain about it you can write us write to us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cosmic t-mail history. Uh, on Twitter at cosmic t-mail. And I'm on Twitter at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. You can find our weekly writings and comics reviews at weirdsciencedccomics.com. And you got to go check out Chris's personal blog, especially for that uh, Team Titans issue, right? Yeah. Uh, Chris yeah. is on infiniteearths.com. Actually, you've done weddings all week. Kind of in, I've done, I did a few, yeah. In preparation for this, but uh, he reviews a new DC comic every day of the week, and uh, gosh, you're up to, what, what was the number now? 707. It's been going on a long time, folks. He's still, <laughs> still got a lot to go. So, uh, yeah, it could be from any time, pretty much any, uh, you know, theme, and it's spectacular. There's a lot of images uh, highlighting the ads. Great commentary. you got to check it out. Chris is on infiniteearths.com. Now, we also have the show page at weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com, which uh, I don't know that I've updated in a few weeks, but I'll do my best to get I something in there. We have some uh, things for this <laughs> week, right? Yeah. I can't remember what the last thing we did on the board. <laughs> um, and definitely, we de- we want to thank uh, Jose Valiz uh, Martinez for the suggestion and let him know not to worry. The Jericho episode will be coming Pretty soon, I say. Uh, not yeah. not not right away, but but soon enough. Well, I think we got to relax on the curly haired stuff, huh, Chris? Yeah, put a get relaxer on it. You know, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the listeners either get too annoyed or too turned on. So we, we don't. don't we don't. Either one. We don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to stir the pot too much out there. No, no, no. Uh, but I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? Nope, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I'll see you on the treadmill creepily. See ya. When you were here before, couldn't look you in the eye. You're just like an angel. Your skin makes me cry. You float like a feather. In a beautiful world I wish I was special 
special But I'm a creep 